0: extend our hearts towards Mark, and we're going to pray for him. Thank you, Father. You are a good God, and you raise up men, and you raise up women to be your servants. So, Father, we thank you for Mark this day. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his ministry. Thank you that you have placed a word within his heart. Thank you that you have anointed him with your spirit. So as we pray, we pray that you will energize him, that as he speaks, his word will be life to us, life and peace, that we may be illuminated, that we may see your way, that your word may be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank you, Father, for this word which your servant will bring to us today. Our hearts are open and we are ready to receive. Thank you, Father. Amen.
1: Stick on there. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning.
2: Can everyone hear me okay? Yes. Good, good, good.
1: I want to start with uh, Revelation twelve eleven. I'm sure that many of you know this scripture, and it says, We overcome him the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony. I'm going to repeat that, but I'm going to change overcome to smash. we smash him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony. Testimonies are powerful, right? Powerful. They're an encouragement to each and every one of us. And they are something that no one can take from us. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to share with you this morning what God has done in my life. I apologise for any of you that, if you've heard my testimony before, but you're going to get it again. Because I want to smash the enemy this morning. I want to smash him and I want to give glory to God this morning. You're going to hear him smash many times this morning, many times. You know, I was at a funeral this week, um, and it was my wife's uh, nan. Um, I got talking to to her grandad, and he's 89 years of age, and he was telling me... I think he was a little bit mixed up in his head, because he just lost his wife, obviously. And he was telling me the stories of like people have knocked on his door to share the gospel with him. Um, he was saying vicars, preachers, whatever you want to call them. And he said to me that he was having arguments with them, like questioning them about about the Bible and um, who wrote the Bible and yeah, but who wrote this and so he's having arguments with these guys and he says to me he says to me I know my life, I've lived my life. He went on to tell me about the things that he's experienced. See, sometimes we can want to preach the word. But if it's not personal, if it's not our story, many times it doesn't hit home. So for me, I just want to start when I was a little a little kid. I was brought up in and around Norfolk. Um, I thought I was a good lad when I was little. I've since seen different. I love football um, and I worship football. I went everywhere, I'd climb fences, I'd get into football grounds, anything, just to have a kick about. And as I grew up with my family, um, I was brought up to believe that the drinking and the, and the living for the weekends and we couldn't talk unless we, we were smashed. Um, so I got brought up into that lifestyle. Week after week after week. I think I was drunk for the first time when I was 12. Um, after I just watched my uncle play football. Um, and it turns up I woke up with all paint all over my face. it wrote all over my face. And... But this was the way of life. This is the way of life that I thought was the right way. Um, I used to go to, to football. My um, season tickets gets a QPR. I know, terrible.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but that, that was my life. I, I'd go to football, we'd meet up, we'd meet up at like half past 11, 12 o'clock lunchtime in the pub. I would probably have 10 pints before the game. That's how I'm going, right? I would, I would, there was actually matches that I didn't even remember what the score was. And we used to wake up in the morning and say, well, I'd phone the mate up and say, that was brilliant yesterday, wasn't it? Excellent. Fantastic. I was like, what happened? Where did we end up? We thought that was fantastic. We wasted all our money. We'd get, I had blackouts, not remembering where I'd been, what I'd done. And it'd normally take me two or three days to get over that. That was, that was my life, weekend, after weekend, after weekend. Um, I dabbled in drugs. Um, my confidence was in, um, first of all, it was speed. Then it, I moved to cocaine. And every weekend, that was my thing. I couldn't drink then without having drugs. Um, it got to the point in my life where it was like, there has to be more than this. And as God always does, he puts someone across your path that's going to share the gospel with you. And on this particular occasion, it was Steve. Sorry, Steve, I'll call you Prof, because I'm so used to calling you Prof. (laughs) (laughs) But the funny thing is, even though I knew I needed help, I wasn't willing to listen to Steve. He used to come in the pub, and I'll take me out to him even now. You had a group of guys that was swearing, shouting, aggressive um, because they've drunk 10 pints of, of lager. Um, Steve used to come in and sit in the midst of us. And he'd normally get one of them on, on our own, and he'd slam them.
2: <laughs> and I mean, he wouldn't stop for a breath.
1: And it was like, people used to say to me, in Neck, your uncle, don't he go on? Don't he go on? And I used to say to him, just blip and tell him. I tell him, I'm glad this happens. For him, but it ain't for me. I used to hide.
2: <laughs> Do you know?
1: I'd see him coming up the road, and he obviously hadn't seen me. I'd duck behind the car and wait for him to go past. That's how petrified I was of him. But Steve's like Zebedee. <laughs>
2: yeah. He keeps
1: bouncing back and bouncing back and yeah. bouncing back. And it got to the point where, yeah, like I said, I needed more. Um, And Steve had been bashing on and bashing on and bashing on about church this, church that, church this, church that. And then he told me about this, there was this thing on on a Friday night at Hick in Harrow. Um, And he told me there was this guy coming from South Africa, As Steve painted this great big picture of this guy, and he was like, he was God, you know, he was, um, you've got to come. And So yes, I went along. Fun enough, I met Olu in Tesco's car park in Harrow. Um, never forget Olu's big smiley face. Uh, and Steve told Olu um, about some of the stuff I was going through and um, about my house because I just we put a bid in for a house, we lost a house, um, and Olu's like, "Right, let's pray." I'm like, "Pray." Yeah, yeah, here, yeah, yeah, pray here. We prayed in the middle of Tesco's car park. <laughs> I, didn't, I did not listen to a word, what he said. I didn't. All I was thinking, who's blimmin' watching me? Who, who's? <laughs> Tesco's car park, Ollie's praying for me in Tesco's car park. Well, it turns out, a few months after that, that, obviously, we got the perfect house. We was looking at a house um, in Lip and... This, we didn't like it, and this guy said to us, actually, one has just come on, I shouldn't even be telling you about this. He goes, but I would. I'll get into trouble for showing you this, because it's literally only just come on the market. He goes, do you want a sip? Yeah, take us round there. We went around there, straight away, just fell in love with the place as soon as he walked in there. You know, you just get that feeling, it's just like, wallop. It was like, right, we want to put a bid in. We put in the bid, asking price, straight away, took it off the market, no one else see it, that was it. And that didn't even dawn on me, you know, the prayer in Tesco's car park, as it wouldn't at the time, um, so anyway, heading into, heading into Hick after Olu completely embarrassed me in Tesco's car park. <laughs> we got in there and Olu says to me, come and sit down the front. I'm like, you're having a laugh when you Sit down the front. He's, he said, yeah, he says, that's where the greatest blessings are. All the greatest blessings <laughs> is down the front. <laughs> What's he talking about? <laughs> after. After encouraging me down the front, I'm sitting down there petrified at the front of the church. And this guy's preaching. I haven't got a clue what he was preaching about. Um, I think I was too scared. And <clears throat> this guy comes over to me. He asks me to stand up. He prophesies over me. Again, not listening to a word he's saying at the time. Um, then he puts his hand on me and then he blows on me. Then I hit the deck. So I'm laying on the floor, what the blimey, was that all about? My legs are like jelly, shaking, proper shaking my legs. I'm like, what is going on here? I, th- I left there that night completely confused. I never had a clue what was going on. And a few weeks later, I was there but he was there again. <laughs> bashing away at me, telling me to come to church. And yeah, I I did. I turned up, obviously, at Hope for the first time. And at the time, it was in the school. Um, And I'll never forget that morning because it was so uncomfortable. I I couldn't explain it at the time. There was just like there was a war going on inside of me. Part of me just did not want to be there. But then I knew that I was looking for something else. And it's really weird to explain because I wasn't looking for God. I had no intentions of meeting God. I wanted help, I wanted a saviour to get me out of the mess that I was in. Little did I know that God was going to introduce himself to me in a big way. I got in there that day and um, the thing that struck me was this, this joy on people's faces. Um, a joy that I couldn't explain, because I wasn't used to it. Um, and it was like these people were carrying something and I was like, I want some of that, I want what these people carry. never had a clue what it was, but I just see that happiness i come, I come away from that day and it was like, I felt really good, something inside me had happened, but I couldn't explain it. Well, again the next week, do you think I wanted to come back the following week? Did I, <laughs>
2: This
1: fight went on week after week after week after week until it dispersed. See, we've got to fight. Sometimes we have to fight to get in.
2: During this time, I lost every
1: desire to take drugs. Couldn't explain it. Just wallop, stopped. Yeah. Now bearing in mind, this is I couldn't I couldn't have a proper conversation with people. I was I was completely reliant on them. Like I said, I couldn't even go and have a drink anymore. I got to that stage where I needed to do drugs, to talk to people and socialise with people. My desire to take drugs. Gone, just like that, in an instant. My language was foul, to say the least. When I used to go into the football matches, it was my offload. I used to go there and... Those players must have hated me, I can tell you that, because if they'd done anything wrong, I was absolutely abuse and abusive. I was letting them know how terrible they was. And that stopped immediately. And I've had people say to me, "Yeah, Yeah, you can stop swearing, yeah? Really? You try, you ask anyone to try and stop swearing that's got problems with their language. It doesn't happen just like that. I
2: think since that time, I think I've sworn probably four times. Another thing that struck me was how things start coming together.
1: It's like God was just linking up the dots. From my past, you know your past, where you, you think you're a terrible man, and he don't care about you. It's only now that you've got saved. Now, and then, like Mum tells me about, she said I knew. She said with you. I said what do you mean? She said, she said I got you a children's Bible. She said when you was a little boy, um, and she reckons that I would cling to it, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't go anywhere without it refused to go and have it, and I look back now and it's like, what is all that about? We weren't, we weren't Christians, no one knew God in my family, that's for sure. But yet I'm hanging on to this Bible, and refusing to go it. It's pictures of me in my pyjamas, I'm hanging on to this, this Bible. And then things start coming back, it's like the time I spent in churches as a kid, through my choice, going down there in the school holidays, and, and, and all this starts coming back, and it's like, what is going on? See, God's got his hand on us from the very, very beginning. It's not once we get saved. He's interested
2: in us before we got saved. Shortly after that, I was
1: baptised on July the 13th, 2008. And four years later, I was married to my wife, Sandra. After years and years and years, of telling everyone that I was never going to get married. There's no point of it. That's what I used to say. That's what I believed.
2: That was another lie that God broke in my life. In the last eight years that I've been saved,
1: The Lord has shown me and taught me so much. I've seen shoulders pop back into place in front of me. I've had situations at home and in the workplace completely shift and turn around. I've seen my life and the lives of many others be transformed. And it's like, it's come to me this morning, it's like we're on this journey. And all this stuff's great, you like to see the healings and stuff and you see these shifts and turn around. But it's like, I'm in this car and I'm driving along and you're getting glimpses of these things. You know, you get that beautiful view and you see it as you go past it and you're like, yeah, that's, that's, that's wonderful. This stuff is wonderful. But I'm in the car, it's who I'm in the car with. We take a look at this stuff as we're on this journey. But I'm in the, I'm in the vehicle with Jesus.
2: And that is what's precious. So that is what is special. In the midst of all this everyday life stuff,
1: He has somehow wrapped me up and entangled me in
2: His love. In a way that I can't explain. You know, through those bad times,
1: it's that love that picks you up. It's that love that keeps you coming back and coming back and coming back. Anyone else would be on. Their, they'd be flat out. They'd be on their face. But it's, it's his love that keeps picking us up. Come again.
2: Come again. Come again.
1: Yeah, so that's, that's, that's what I want to share with you guys today. I think that's what God placed in my heart today. And I just want you all to know that um, the devil is a blooming liar.
2: He's
1: an absolute liar. He, he, he tells us that you ain't got a story to tell. What a load of rubbish, I tell you. Every single one of us has got a story to tell. And do you know why he tells you you ain't got a story to tell? Because he knows that it calls his arm to him. He knows that it brings him down. I just want to encourage each and every one of you this morning to share your story, to share what Jesus has done in your life. Yeah, so bless you guys. Thank
0: you very much, Mark. It was good. It was good to know that we overcome Satan